Hello, you're listening to Public Affairs. We're here in New Orleans, broadcasting from WRBH 88.3 FM. I'm Anne. Welcome. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you. So let's just go ahead and get into it. You guys are in for a treat today. Y'all, I have a feeling y'all are about to learn a whole lot because we have a doctor in the house and she just so happens to be a lady doctor, which is my favorite kind. I'm here with uh, Dr. Malika Doss. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be here. And she's actually a retinal specialist. That's right. So we're kind of doing a, um, since we are a radio station for the blind, vision impaired, we decided to do a little series on eye health um, because you never know, maybe it might not be relevant to you, eye health at this moment, but the chances are someone you love will be affected with one of these conditions she's going to tell us about today. Um, and so, like I said, I think your work is cut out for you because I think that, or the only thing that I remember or that I think I know about the retina is that that's where the rods and the cones are. That's correct. That's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> see, see. Um, so before we get into it, uh, I think that I want to do a icebreaker question. I'll ask every guest the same question just to kind of not only break the ice, but sort of uh, let the audience get to judge you right off the bat, you know? Perfect. <laughs> I'm just playing. Love it. Okay, so I tossed around a couple questions. My first question I thought of was, when was the last time you cried? But don't worry, I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> we'll go with something a little easier, which is the question that uh, our sound engineers always ask to uh, test the mics, which was, what did you have for breakfast? I had the same thing I have basically every morning, Anne, which is small helping of low-fat Greek yogurt with homemade granola and blueberries. Wow. Sounds like someone who's devoted her life to health. <laughs> you know, you have to practice what you preach. I like it. I like it. Do you ever switch it up? Like, I mean, I'll do like an egg white omelet on okay. at time in the mornings. Okay. Um, Are you getting fancy? Yeah. Sometimes I'll, you know, have a little banana bread with, you know, that uh, with okay. the coffee. All right. Well, guys, I had chocolate milk for breakfast. So um, I think I'm definitely going to get schooled in health over here. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Um, I guess we'll start with diabetic retinopathy. Okay. Ooh. So it's a big well, it's topic. Just, uh, I know about diabetes, but I mm -hmm. hear that this is the leading cause of permanent blindness in working age group. That's now, right. What does working age group mean? I was kind of confused there. So working adults, uh, you know, it's basically pre-retirement, obviously, okay. and then like post uh, like schooling, you know, if you will. Okay. And so, yes, diabetes, of course, in the United States is the um, fastest uh, growing disease in, in, or in incidence. Hmm. And then, yes, diabetic retinopathy is the number one cause of blindness in the United States uh, in the working age population. So, again, those who currently hold or carry jobs, mm -hmm. you know, if the number one reason they go on, you know, um, uh, disability due to blindness is because hmm. of diabetes. Uh, yeah, I read a statistic about 24,000 people are affected annually. Does that sound? Yeah, I, you know, okay. sometimes it feels like more just yeah, depending on the week. Yeah, that, that almost <laughs> seems low. But we are in the South, so it's probably a little higher with the diabetes around here. It's true. So I guess we'll start, uh, where should we go? Uh, risk factors, causes? Maybe we'll start with risk factors? Yeah, so risk causes? factors for diabetes in general includes, of course, increased um, body mass index, increased weight, um, high sugar intake. Uh, genetics have something to do with it. So explain more the, the genetics. I guess genetics do play into your body mass and whatnot. But. Yeah, everything. I mean, you know, there's in no matter what disease, you know, whether it's diabetes, blood pressure, anything else, I, I do believe that 
there is an you know apple doesn't far fall mm-hmm. far from the tree component yeah. to it. Uh, Maybe you, just in lifestyle, which you learn exactly. about diet, and so some of so much of it is lifestyle and you know external factors. But you know there is a component that. All right, if your mom or dad, you know, was affected by this, then, you know, it's something that you need to watch out for, especially as you age and um, uh, approach those those ages um, that they were first affected. Now, I heard the term um, as relates to being a risk factor for diabetes, the term stress transformers. Apparently, have a, is this a obscure? Yeah, so that is not something I'm particularly familiar okay, with. Okay, <laughs> I, I think the context was uh, they were talking about the cultural risk factors for diabetes. And it was something about um, uh, how you react to stress mm-hmm. uh, somehow. So uh, in general, uh, th- when you have a high amount of stress, your body manifests a high levels of cortisol. Cortisol, um, as kind of like a stress defensive mechanism, can actually increase your blood glucose. Cortisol, is, of mm-hmm. course, is your body's naturally produced steroid. And so that's why actually patients on steroids also have higher glucose levels and, you know, again, okay. prolonged periods of th- therefore stress and, mm-hmm. um, you know, exogenous glucose um, intake or not glucose, uh, steroid intake can lead to high glucose levels and then insulin um, resistance, which okay. can, of course, lead to diabetes. So maybe stress transformer, they were talking about uh, ways to kind of alleviate the stress, maybe. Always trying mm-hmm. to figure that one out because... You know, yeah, it seems uh, pretty relevant if I want my loved ones to. It's definitely in there. I wouldn't, you know, say that that's the mm-hmm. number one lifestyle modification mm-hmm. um, to focus on. Of course, you know, the things yeah. we focus on are diet, diet mm-hmm. and exercise, you know, number one mm-hmm. and two. And then, of course, if you are manifesting, you know, kind of irreversible mm-hmm. insulin um, resistance, mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, taking the medications that help combat that, whether it be insulin or a uh, oral, a uh, hypoglycemic, okay. um, and then yes, yeah, stress is important. Um, I feel like uh, you get a lot of these cases where uh, the diabetic sufferer will just be, you know, say quality of life is better, and uh, I want to eat my unhealthy food. So it's almost like that—that's a conundrum. Uh, it is. You know, we do. We live. We are. You can't really tell people how to, to live, live a, but that's right. We live wanna, in a country where we're blessed to live abundantly, mm-hmm. and we definitely want to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really difficult to cut that extra salt Ooh, out of your diet are, to take. We are the not steps a state to, that does well at moderation. Let me tell you exactly. <laughs> and so it's it is hard to do that. And you know, honestly, as doctors, mm-hmm. we are not. You know, we're not um, infallible to that logic yeah. of enjoying, you know, yeah. your life. And, you know, of course, when we see um, patients, depending on, you know, what they've been through and mm-hmm. or their age or just their overall kind of picture, there may be a level that that we, you know, don't, you know, exactly uh, blame them for, yeah. if you will. Yeah. You know, but, you know, when I do see, you know, someone in their 40s struggling from severe diabetes mm-hmm. and with severe diabetic retinopathy, you know, that is a conversation because mm-hmm. we know that, you know, their life expectancy, you know, is at stake here. Yeah. And and you're when you're in your 40s and 50s, you still have kids in school, you have um you know, parents to take care of and grandchildren. You know, and exactly. You know, so many things that you know, we like loans, to enjoy our food. You haven't paid off or just kidding. Exactly. I mean, there's so much, you yeah. know, of course we want to enjoy our lives, but there's many facets to life, you know, not just the food. For sure. So, I guess um maybe kind of explain Apparently, it's uh, tiny blood vessels that leak across the retina. That's right. Which so, sounds diabetic-ish with the edema issues. And mm-hmm. so maybe elaborate on that for me. So diabetic retinopathy is 
I will diabetes in general, I like to describe as a mm-hmm. problem of small blood vessels or all blood vessels. Um, it's the decades of high sugars that cause damage to all the blood vessels in the body, starting with the smallest first, because those are the most fragile. So the so ones how in does your, the sugar damage the blood vessels? Like the shape of it? or It's just the high sugars that um, it just causes the blood vessels to become less, um, they become a, a little less rigid. Um, okay, so like, they have, or they have a little less integrity, if you will. Okay, and so they like, just don't do what they're supposed to do properly, which is deliver oxygen to the tissues. So how does it? How does it? Does it break down the building blocks of the cell wall? Like yes, exactly. So like chemically it, or chemically, it affects the the supporting structures of the cells. It can affect the parasites. It affects the epithelial cells okay. or the, sorry, the endothelial cells that line the blood vessel walls. And so the, the vessels that are affected the fir- first are the ones in your feet, your toes, mm-hmm. you know, where you get neuropathy, your kidneys, where you get nephropathy, and of course, your eyes, specifically the part of the eye that I specialize in called the retina. And as those, the, I think the unique thing about the, about the retina is that we can actually physically see on a dilated exam of the eyes what's happening to these blood vessels. And it's not just happening in the eyes, it's happening all over the body, but the you know, retina is a very unique structure in which we can actually... Right, because the retina is communicating with the brain, telling you what you see, kind of. The retina is extension of brain tissue. It is nerve tissue, absolutely. And so, you know, the changes we see in the retina, you know, then we know that there's changes all over the body, you know, in the other parts. So it's very important to identify that. Okay, so is this like something where it's going to come on, you know, suddenly, or is this like a slow kind of creeping so uh, diabetes is a disease of decades it's decades of high sugars which of course we define as a hemoglobin a1c which is about a three-month average of greater than seven uh in general your primary care doctor wants you to have your a1c 6.5 or below but Mm -hmm. honestly no eye doctor is going to complain if you keep it under seven so an a1c greater than seven for a period of decades and it's just everyone's a little bit different in how they manifest the disease The disease starts in the smallest blood vessels first, as I mentioned earlier. And so it's like the outer edges of the retina, the parts of the retina that you're not actually using for functional vision. So like your peripherals? Exactly. So you may have the beginnings of disease and not even know because Mm -hmm. the center of your retinas are still perfusing okay. Gotcha. And uh, so you won't even know you have the disease. Once you, once you actually start having vision changes from diabetic retinopathy, you're actually pretty far in the game. And so I, I read those are things like a blurred double vision or yeah. increased eye floaters. Can you explain that one? <laughs> sure. So, you know, there's many different types of uh, vision changes. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, is, you know, you talked about blurry vision or distortions of vision, which can actually cause types of double vision. Ooh, explain another distortion. Yeah. Like. So, like, you know, if you're looking at a straight line and it looks curvy, mm. um, you know, everything looks like a like a Salvador Dali painting, Ooh, if you will. Okay. You know, it sounds so cool, but it's a little bit, yeah, not a, not so good, kind of scary. The reality. Um, and that can be due to macular edema. We talked about how the blood vessel walls lose their integrity. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, serum from the blood and proteins can leak out into Ooh. the layers of the retina in the, the center part of your retina and uh, causing mess with those rods and cones, or no? and it messes with the rods. <laughs> yeah, especially left over a long period of time can definitely mess with the rods and cones. So the longer you've been living with diabetes, the your risk of developing this vision problem is going to increase. Exactly. Okay. Especially, and it depends on your control too. Um, 
And then the as far as you mentioned the floaters, mm-hmm. uh, another manifestation of diabetes is that with with continued deprivation of oxygen to those outer tissues mm-hmm. of the retina, then the body's response is to actually build new blood vessels. You know, think about okay. like if you, you know, suffer some damage to the skin, your mm-hmm. body kind of aggregates platelets and clots. It builds and, a scab. Yeah. yeah, it builds a scab and tries to scar it over. You know, the retina tries to do the same thing by building new blood vessels to try to compensate for the oxygen it's not getting. And it mm-hmm. sounds like a great idea in yeah. theory. But these blood vessels are terrible. They <laughs> leak, they bleed, and that's it's when like the IKEA bookshelf of uh, blood vessels. Yeah, they're just made just not you know quick assembly, quick assembly, <laughs> poor function can actually make things or not can actually, but will most hundred percent definitely make things worse. And because they can bleed and spill open, um, that's where you get floaters from. Oh, okay, and interesting. And in the very later stages of the game, these blood vessels can actually contract and scar, you know, mm. just like any other part of the body. Your retina? And they can up. scar up your retina and cause traction or pulling up on the retina. And the retina can detach. You can develop oh, types of severe types of glaucoma. And that's why um, diabetes is, you know, the number one cause of blindness is because once this cascade has more or less started, it is kind of like a snowball okay. effect. So how would you how do you guys test for what's what are the screening process processes here? I've heard uh, roughly about a third of diabetics just don't even get screening for this. Yeah. So our screening process is, uh, you know, in the beginning stages, usually our primary care doctors, you know, ask the patients to see an you know an ophthalmologist or a retina specialist. Mm-hmm. We just dilate the eyes and take a look. You okay. know, it's as simple as that. Usually, um, sometimes we get some ancillary tests in the office uh, to kind of help us. Um, gauge you know stages of severity okay but in general you know the the first step is just, just taking look. a look okay. just look and see what's there i uh now that you mention it i think i read something about google has a new ai technology mm-hmm. that they're testing to see if they can take a look at the pictures and i don't know diagnose it better than humans what's your thoughts on that so there that something like that is already out there oh, you know okay. at there are um, kind of, of course, fundus. AI. <laughs> that's right. Like fundus screening tests. So, you know, patients will go to some rando clinic where there's mm-hmm. not even, you know, an eye doctor there. And they have a camera, a fundus camera, which oh, okay. is cool because they don't even really have to be dilated for it. So no drops. Oh. And they just get a picture taken. And that goes to uh, kind of like an algorithm. Okay. And it'll flag the abnormalities and then the ones that are abnormal will get sent over to like a doctor who performs these screenings at a remote site yeah and then they can send a recommendation back you need to see a doctor asap or you need to see a doctor within six months or you need to see you know something along those lines so do you think there's any drawbacks to those types of technology or all pros well i think that you know nothing substitutes a physical exam but if something you know expands awareness and mm-hmm. reaches out to people where we may have challenges in geography, okay, then cool. uh, then I think that that's a pro. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, no, nothing is perfect. I think sure. it's easy to miss things on a remote picture than you yeah. would have on exam. Some of these rural areas, too, right. is, uh, or, you know, accessibility, mobility that can be an issue. Yeah, and, or it's easy to overcall things. But again, at the end of the day, you know, we do have a shortage of doctors, ophthalmologists, to patients and especially in remote areas, we have, you know, much less coverage. So whatever we can do to, you know, get our patients uh, taken care of. And I think that, you know, adds into that one third of people who don't ever see a doctor. 
So as far as taking care of those patients, what's what are the typical treatment regimens for living with this condition? So, you know, no treatment regimen is exactly the same for the patients, but okay. in general, patients that present with the swelling in the retina or macular edema, we have a couple medications that we actually administer. Uh, one is in a class called anti-VEGF. The most common one known out there is called Avastin. Um, and basically what this medication does is it um, kind of tightens those blood vessels up and allows mm -hmm. the fluid to reabsorb and the patient, and it more or less restores the patient's vision. Okay. Uh, and so that is administered in the form of an injection in the eye, which mm. sounds yeah. terrible, <laughs> but it's actually the most common thing we do in the clinic. You know, everything is numbed very well. Ooh. And, you know, like I said, it's tolerated very well. It's the same treatment we actually use for macular degeneration. And then um, another treatment is if they develop those tufts of abnormal blood vessels, like I talked about. We mm -hmm. call that neovascularization, which just means new blood vessels. Ah, uh, sounds so, like, savage. Fancy. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah <laughs> it is. Neovascularization. <laughs> uh, we actually apply a laser treatment to those outer areas, not the center part okay. of the retina, but the outer edges of the retina that are sending out the signal to build these blood vessels. And those um, help cause those blood vessels to regress. It kind of redistributes the oxygen flow and tricks okay. the eye into thinking it doesn't need these blood vessels. Okay. Um, you know, in some of the later stages, you know, when we talk about things like these complex scar tissue retinal mm -hmm. detachments. Yeah, the detachments. You know, that those me. some of these, you know, become surgical, you know, at that point. Ooh. And, you know, those are those are tricky yeah. to say the least. And, you know, same thing if we have like a secondary glaucoma from the diabetic retinopathy, then that may require the help of the glaucoma specialist to help shunt some of the fluid from the eye to bring down the eye okay. pressure. So it sounds like this condition is almost like a gateway drug to developing more conditions, like the edema you're talking about. It's it's just very, it's like very... comorbidity, is that a term that you'd... Well, I think it's just, you know, every patient manifests disease a little bit differently. You know, okay. I think that diabetes is different, you know, in across um, various... Um, like genders or age groups and also yeah. races as well. Yeah, everybody's like its own little unique system. No two are the exact same, right? We're like snowflakes. Huh? And, and yeah. I think one population to remember also is the type 1 diabetics or the juvenile diabetics. You know, they obviously can develop retinopathy, but because they're younger, they tend to be a little more resilient and hmm. develop it later on. And then there's this other special subclass of diabetics, the gestational diabetics. Oh, the pregnancy, one, and right? that one is probably the one of the more under-recognized um, in it as far as importance because because of the hormones going on in the body and mm -hmm. you know just developing diabetes, they can quickly go into diabetic retinopathy even though they haven't had diabetes for decades, wow. like I previously mentioned. And so, so uh, screening gestational diabetics is of course very very important. Um, so, like, give me an example of what living with this condition would be like. I guess it, lower vision, living with lower vision. What are some of the, yeah. you know, hidden details there? You know, spatial awareness, your sleeping patterns. So what all would be affected there? Yeah, so there's different types of low vision. Um, there's, you know, if you have low, kind of just overall both eyes of low vision. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, this is big reason why people are no longer to continue their job functions. Okay. Um, you know, they're often dependent on family members. Obviously, they can't drive themselves to appointments, you know, and that's mm -hmm. always a difficult conversation is when the patient gets to the point where their vision is just not yeah. correcting anymore, you know, or they've, their disease has progressed, you know, having to have that hard conversation yeah. about, ma'am, you know, I don't think, ma'am or sir, I don't think you're 
fit to drive anymore. Minutes, I'm not a yeah. I'm not a cop, and I can't make you do it. But I'm just saying for your own safety, <laughs> don't be a safety of others, you know, don't do that. Um, uh, and then I guess do they become an enemy of the sun? Do they? What's how does the light respond to the sunlight after that? Not usually, yeah. you know, and it depends on what they've had, um, you know, previously. Sometimes if they've had you know several surgeries, one of they may be a little more light sensitive, just depending on what you know their um, condition condition is but not usually are they um uh very sun averse in this particular condition um yeah so if and if, i think as far as spatial awareness mm-hmm. we typically see that if a patient has maybe one eye with low vision the other okay. eye still when the eyes have a like see very differently from each other okay. then you lose depth perception you have to have both eyes seeing well yeah. to have depth perception so they they say i'm running into walls and <gasps> and all that and of course, reading. I think the number one thing with patients with low vision, the thing that they miss the most is reading. Wow. Um, yeah. That's... You know, for them, you know, they can do it'll be, everything else is okay. They can give up. They'll give up driving. You know, mm-hmm. before they give up reading. But once you've kind of lost reading, it is very yeah. Difficult. It kind of reorganizes your cerebral cortex, so it kind of improves the connectivity in your brain. You get... exactly. Uh, encoding and decoding symbol skills is a lot. It's a complex. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like whatever they can, these activities are very much missed for their stimulation, yeah. Now, I read there were two types. Is this a Um, thing? I just, from my internet research, it said there were two types of this. Is there? Of of living with low vision? Or Or of this diabetic uh, retinopathy thing. So there are two types of diabetic retinopathy. We classify them as uh, the, the fancy words are non-proliferative. Ooh. So, of course, the other one is going to be <laughs> proliferative. <laughs> and so proliferative is what we talked about, those abnormal blood vessels. We talk When we say proliferative, we mean proliferation or growth of new blood vessels. Ah. Huh. Non-proliferative is everything before that. So those okay. tend to be the earlier stages okay, where we just sense. have macular edema or we just have intraretinal okay. hemorrhages. So it's like the stages. Exactly. And so the thing to know is that, you know, Diabetes comes, diabetic retinopathy comes in all stages in mm-hmm. terms of how it affects vision and, and findings in the retina. Patients may be 20-20, but still with severe diabetic retinopathy. Patients may have moderate diabetic retinopathy, but have 20-60 vision. And so, so it's really no, uh, all bets are off. It's all bets are off. Just because you have 20-20 vision doesn't mean you may not be carrying severe yeah. stage disease. That kind of speaks to the importance of actually getting those regular screenings. Exactly. Um, And so we kind of touched on some of the barriers to getting those screenings. Uh, I guess we said the the geography, uh, maybe cultural aspects. So I and I think um, what other thing is is if you think about the um, like sociology of Mm -hmm. of carrying a disease like diabetes. Yeah. With diabetes, you see your primary care doctor. You may see an endocrinologist to help manage your insulin. You may see a podiatrist, a nephrologist for your kidneys, Whoa. a cardiologist because of you know heart disease yeah. that can go along with diabetes and, and high blood pressure, uh, and then you know depend and then whoever yeah. else. So an ophthalmologist, you know, is like the seventh doctor. Yeah. That you have to see for one condition. And then suppose you don't even have insurance, like a. If you what don't are you supposed have, to do then, I wonder? If you don't have insurance or if you have bad insurance. Yeah. And then on top of it, if you have no vision complaints, you know, it's yeah. really hard to be motivated to go in to see that seventh doctor yeah. 
when yep <laughs> wait in the waiting room and wait in the, all over again co-pay dial you it again drive there you know? leave your house and so it is a big deal sometimes yeah. patients are forced to you know exactly and mm-hmm. if they live far away they're sometimes forced to choose well do i see my cardiologist and my endocrinologist yeah. or my ophthalmologist and so yeah, i'll probably be fine you so. know and exactly and like you know i'll be fine it should be okay but you know in reality it is important yeah. um and then even within ophthalmology like diabetes can um increase the risk of early cataract development. So then you're seeing a primary ophthalmologist for cataracts. You're seeing a retina specialist for, you know, the diabetic retinopathy. And then you may be seeing a glaucoma specialist, you know, just because of, like I said, later stages can, they can develop a type of, of neovascular glaucoma. So So who knew the eye was so nuanced? We're very niched. And, you know, so... Can you imagine, like, you know, if you have three doctors for one organ, like, it's, I would die. I mean, I can it, already it, call it. I would probably be dead. Yeah, you can imagine why, you know, we shouldn't be that <laughs> yeah. surprised when people, you know, cancel their appointments. <laughs> so what do you think, uh, if you had to say that your ideal patients that you see, the ones you like, you could tell always could do everything like they're supposed to, what are some of the, like, have you ever noticed any you know, similarities maybe that they all have? I think that uh, the patients that I, that, the ideal patients are uh, patients who are very motivated and not necessarily control their sugar, but the mm-hmm. big picture. You know, oftentimes I think what motivates us is not, you know, for the sake of just being our own health, but other people, you know. So having something to st- having stick around for, live for you. Exactly. Like, you know, my son or daughter, mm-hmm. my spouse, my, you know, my dog, you know, I don't care, you yeah. know. And that if, film I'm going to make, that I memoir know, I'm going to write. Or <laughs> like I have to take care of myself in order to take care of others. Yeah. And, you know, that the society we live in is that we do often put other people before ourselves, but we forget that in order to be good caretakers, we have to be first a good caretaker to ourselves. Yeah, put your own oxygen mask on first, right? That's right. It's like the airplane. <laughs> exactly. And so the, the patients that come in, they're typically motivated. They It's not to say that they haven't struggled mm-hmm. with their blood, sh- you know, blood sugars. Like, I'll look at like a history of their A1Cs and they'll see... You know, at one point it was 11 and 10, and then they bring it down to 7, and they're so happy. And, um, you know, they see that progress. Yeah, they see that progress. And mm-hmm. so it's very, um, and then every once in a while you have the ones who are so motivated that they actually get off of insulin or get off of medication. And there's the diet control. I know. And, <laughs> and you know, and of course, like I said, they're the ones that keep their appointments. They know that their diabetes is in check, but they still come to see me. And that tells me a lot right there. Okay, well, she just laid out the model, everyone. <laughs> you heard it. Just be like that. You'll be, you'll, you know, be seeing until you die. Hopefully, that's all we can uh, hope that's for, right. right? Keep you seeing until you don't need to anymore. <laughs> is the plan? Vision, huh? All right. Well, that's our show for today. And once again, that was Dr. Malika Doss. Thank you for listening to Public Affairs on WRBH eighty-eight point three FM. You can tune in every Monday at three PM and Sundays at eight AM for more of our show. And don't forget, you can also listen online via SoundCloud, our website, or the app. Okay, bye.